Welcome to the Boiled Owl Coffee Club Podcast, the meeting after the meeting, where we talk about our experiences of living sober. We don't speak for Alcoholics Anonymous. This is only our experience. We have no monopoly on sobriety. If you don't like our approach, that's okay. There's lots of ways to live and lots of ways to live sober. This works for us. I'm Don. And I'm Sam. Hi, Sam. How are you? Doing all right, Don. How are you? I'm doing a lot better than I think I am. Oh, yeah? That's the way it tends to be. I'm glad to hear that. You know, I'm really disappointed now, okay? I just got to tell you, because I was expecting you to say that you're over here recovering just as hard as you can. I'm recovering like a sledgehammer. Oh, we need some Robert Palmer now. <laughs> he means Peter Gabriel. <laughs> <laughs> we have a guest at the coffee, at the uh, Boiled Owl Coffee Club. And today. who might that be today? Uh, that would be Miranda. Miranda! Welcome! <laughs> Glad you're here, Miranda. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us. If you got something to drink, my water. I got a coffee. I have an iced coffee. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's tasty. Miranda, we usually like to start out the meeting after the meeting. Just like how what happened to you? Describe what it was like that made you want to come to AA. Oh gosh. Um, what made me want to come to AA? I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. I, I didn't want to come to AA. Um, uh, well, what made me want to come to AA? The short answer would be, um, a really traumatic event in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, I had someone who I love very much was killed due to, um, driving drunk. And it was... There isn't really a word I found to describe it. Um, I was, I had already been to detox when I was 20 years old, so it wasn't like I suddenly started drinking hard when this happened. Um, I was already a hot mess, to say the very least, when this happened. And um, I crawled inside of a bottle for about three weeks and really just worked and drank and drank and worked. And if I wasn't at work, I was drinking or I was asleep. Um, it finally got to a point where the concern of my mother was, um, too much to ignore anymore. Um, you were living at home. I was living by myself. I was living mm. by myself, but I wasn't functioning. So I was actually going to my mother's house on the weekend. She lives out in the country and just drinking myself into oblivion over there. I was 20, uh, 29 years old, 28, mm -hmm. 28, I think. And my mother is having to, like, put her 28-year-old daughter into the bed when she passes out, wow. you know, and, and take her shoes off. And, you know, so it was, mm, it was becoming very apparent to my mom that we had a big problem on our hands. Um, I was oblivious, of course, and she had suggested, you know, maybe I need to go see someone and talk to someone about it because it really was, the whole situation was very traumatic. Um... So I did, and and I had been in therapy since I was seven years old, to some extent, one or the other, you know, child of parents who had divorced, and, you know, there was always a reason for me to have to go to therapy, coming from one of those families, and uh, for some reason, 
for the first time in my life when I went in there and sat down on the couch and, you know, she asked me a question and I told her the truth. You know, I actually told her the truth and she said, how much do you drink? And I didn't lie. I don't know why I didn't lie, but just in that moment in time, I, I don't think I had it in me to even lie anymore. Um, so you would have been concealing it before absolutely. that? Absolutely. You know, I had been to um, the uh, therapy clinic at the college because, I mean, I was broke as could be. And uh, the, the guy, he, he asked me, I specifically remember, God bless his heart, he asked me how much I drank. And I remember saying I drink socially because I was like, well, I was in public. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, you know, to me, that was social. And if you're drinking with a yeah. bunch of alcoholics, social drinking exactly. is perfect. You know, I didn't say <laughs> yeah. I'm drinking at every bar around campus and most of Spring Garden, and I just kind of ignored, including the times I, I sort of drink on my own. I ignored that. So, yeah, I never told the truth about my drinking. I couldn't even tell the truth to myself about my drinking. Mm -hmm. And for some reason to her, she asked me. And, I mean, I, I clearly remember the thought, like, you know, you know how to cuss on this podcast. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. I was like, shit, you know, it'd be easier for me to tell you when I don't drink. You know, and as I'm telling her when I do drink, this voice in my head is like, Jesus, Miranda, you drink a lot. And something just started breaking. It's almost like an acorn just started breaking into pieces. You know, the shit just started mm -hmm. hitting the fan in my mind. And uh, she, she is um, a great doctor. I still see her to this day. And she was very... Um, non-judgmental and come to find out that she is in um, Al-Anon because she has and I didn't find this out until like four years later uh -huh. she didn't tell me this until four years later um, she goes you know it might be a, a good idea you might want to think about going back to AA because she knew whenever I had been in detox I had come to a couple of meetings uh -huh. just enough to um, convince myself that I wasn't an alcoholic well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't belong here <laughs> I was 20 years old I hadn't even gone legal yet I was like oh these poor bastards um, and I remember just thinking, oh shit, it's over. Yeah. You know, if I go there, I can't drink anymore. Right. You know, so what made me want to come to, I didn't want to, <laughs> but it was over. Mm -hmm. I had nowhere else to go. It was over. You know, the, the facade, the delusion, the, the, the great lie, it was over. So that's how I decided I wanted <laughs> to come. Yeah. Well, so it sounds like a similar to what happened to me. It's like the veil was just lifted and I could see myself and my drinking for what it really was all of a sudden. And all the self-denial, all the lies and everything that I told myself about my drinking, how I didn't have a problem. It was as clear as a bell to me. Oh, no. Exactly. Here it is. Exactly. Well, that's that that moment of clarity that was mm -hmm. talked about in, in my experience, and that was, I mean, there were many times that I was drunk or recovering from a, a major drunk, and, um, you know, I'm never going to do that again. But mm -hmm. that's not my moment of clarity. Those never were moments of clarity. Mm -hmm. And finally, there was that time when a decision, a chance to make a decision was presented to me. And for some reason, that gives me chills right now, mm -hmm. um, I decided that the, the right path at that point, at least where I needed to go, which was I need to stop drinking. I need to yeah. get help doing it. Mm -hmm. 
um, actually, this doctor, um, I called her the next day because I went home that night and it, it was kind of like a morning, like it was like a funeral. Like I put on um, Crazy Heart. <laughs> Crazy Heart was really popular. Jeff Bridges had just won the Oscar for Crazy Heart. So I put on Crazy Heart. What, the soundtrack? Or no, the, the movie. movie. You put on the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so I had Jeff Bridges, you know, coming to his own conclusion in the background. And I packed up my, my house. I packed up my liquor cabinet. I packed up my Pilsners and my shot glasses. I packed up everything that had to do with any type of liquor in my house. And I called my mom and I said, I'm bringing this to you tomorrow. I want you to take it. Because, you know, I mean, I do have some normalish drinkers in my family. So I didn't want to throw them away. No. So, good God, these aren't going to the dumpster. Let me <laughs> give them to someone who will appreciate them. But it was, it, it was, it was like the, the choice had just been taken out of my hands. And I didn't go to a meeting that night because I needed to go home and have my little alcohol funeral. And I didn't drink that night. I wow. did not drink that night. No, I had it all in front of me. And for some reason, I did not do it. Um, I you know, texted my friends and just said, this is what's happening. And half of them were like, this is great. And the other half of them were like, you don't have a problem. Yeah. <laughs> and strangely enough, these are the ones that I don't really see anymore. <laughs> but I, I called the um, doctor, I guess the day after I went to my first meeting and she was shocked. She said, you were the first person who's ever called me back and actually gone to a meeting. She said, I never hear back from people. And I realize now I could have looked at her and said, go to hell and left her office. Or I could have just left her office and just said, it's crazy, you know, bitch. But I did. It was almost like something snapped. And it was just, it, it was that moment of clarity. Yeah. And I can't, and I'm never going to be able to explain it. To this day, I can't explain why all of a sudden, after 10 years of those moments of, I don't remember how I drove home. I can't do this anymore. Or I just alienated most of the people that I love. I can't do this anymore. Any number of horrible events that I've done while drinking. Why not then? Why just all of a sudden, there it was. Done. And, and I'll never be able to explain it. I'm very grateful for it. But, yeah, I'll never be able to explain that moment. It was just like, it's over. Next. Now what do you do? Right. Now what do you do? It is curious. It could be... Because I look back, it could be any, we were talked about this on a previous podcast. So at any point in my past, there's numerous times I could have easily given up. And what, what a blessing it would be if I had done it 20 years earlier than I did. Um, I would love to have had uh, an additional 20 years of being sober the way I see it now because my life is full and I'm happy. But, um, well, like you can't regret the past, but, you know, it well, you is. you can, but it's not going to be fun. Yeah, no, it's not going <laughs> to There's no point in it. But, really. there, but there is no understanding what the, why all the epiphany happens all of a sudden and suddenly just decide, okay, this is it. I'm, I can't do this anymore. I give up. So, so here from your 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 resident you know, atheist agnostic questioning person, uh -huh. um, I'll throw out that potential of you know there is uh, per perhaps a plan uh, that you know the experiences that I went through in my drinking days that took me into my thirties before I stopped drinking have served me really well in helping other people. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, oh yeah. And imagine if 
you know, a vast majority of us got this at age 20. Mm -hmm. um, how many people would we be able to help who didn't? Yeah. Because they would never be able to relate to us and us to them with that drinking in that part of our lives That's and with all point. the various tales that we've gone through in that in that so I mean maybe when I finally quit drinking was when I needed to that was when my drinking story was quote unquote supposed to end yeah so that I could be of service to others yes except one can make a decision to quit at any time. I mean, I, I just don't go, I just don't subscribe to the predestination aspect of that because I think anybody at any time could, at any of those points in my life, I could have gone, this is terrible. I'm sick. <laughs> I'm a sick person. And I, I felt that many times, but I wasn't ready to go. I'm ready to do this somebody else's way. I get you. You know, for me, it was not just those experiences that enabled me to help other people, but I had growth mm -hmm. that I had to go through. Even though I was sick and I was drunk and mm -hmm. I was doing all this, I was still growing mm -hmm. um, in in certainly a stunted way. But, um, you know, when I first went to AA, I was 18 years old mm -hmm. and terrified of you people. Yeah. And... I didn't go back until I was 32. Mm -hmm. And what were, you had gone? I had gone when I was 20 years old after I got out of a three-day detox. And I went to a handful of meetings. I mean, my first AA meeting was, um, can I say A meeting names in Greensboro? Yeah. Okay. It was Language of the Heart mm -hmm. when it was at downtown or around Fields. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember the, very vividly the couches. It was all full of couches at that time. And. So, I mean, I was very moved by the whole thing, but within a couple of meetings, I was like, oh, no, no, you know, you're all, you know, but that what was happening, what was happening was my mind was already starting to kind of that, that messed up delusion was already starting to take back over. I mean, three days in detox away from everybody and hearing these messages was starting to kind of pull that thing back and all of a sudden it started to kind of cover itself back up because I was wanting to drink again. I was wanting to go back out again. And my mind was saying, you can't stop now. It's too soon to stop. So yeah, I it, mean, it takes every, it takes every drink. Yeah. I, yeah. I was 20 years old and I did not come back until I was, I turned 29 a couple of months after I got here. Okay. So, but I hadn't, I didn't start drinking until I was 19. I didn't get drunk for the first time until I was 19 years old. Well, so I had a nice ten years there. Yeah, <laughs> of so madness. What? Um, that's the same with me. I didn't, I didn't start drinking until I left my parents' yeah. house. It was when I started. I was drinking. I was much older. Um. So what about going to? You went to AA mm -hmm. on the second day after. You know, I, like you, I left. You, I, I left detox and went to my first meeting that night. I went to a meeting that night with one other girl that I was in detox with. Because mm -hmm. her home group, and I had no idea what that was at the time, was, mm -hmm. was Lager the Heart. Mm -hmm. um, so she took me with her, and they went to Starbucks um, at Battleground, the one they just tore down. <laughs> and I remember being with her and this woman that she was with, and the woman had, um, she had been like a prostitute like 20 years ago. She had been mm -hmm. sober for a while, and there was another woman who was talking about when she first got sober that she had to call her sponsor 
when she made dinner for the first time because she didn't know how to do it without a drink. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh my God, how does this woman not know how to cook without a drink? What is wrong with you? And this woman over here is like a prostitute back in the 70s. Like there's a little voice in the back of my head saying, you don't belong here. You don't belong here. But it's like, I'm going to go anyway. So I went anyway. I went to my first meeting that night. I don't know if I went to one the next day or not. It's been a while. Uh -huh. But I remember going to a couple more after that and and just easily convincing myself that this was not for me yet. But, but when did you go? I'm talking about the time that you uh, decided to quit. What was the difference when you started going to AA? This time? Yeah, this oh, time. This, this time. last time. I, had no, I, had, I was thoroughly convinced that I was in the right place. <laughs> <laughs> I was convinced. How do we, how do you, you know, put that woman back in front of me who didn't know how to make dinner without a drink in her hand? I feel you now, girl. I know. Uh -huh. I know what you're talking about. How do you go out and watch football on a Sunday without a drink? Jeez, I have no idea. Mm -hmm. um, how, do you, how do you live and be in the world and have fun without having a couple drinks to get you out into the world? I had no idea. So when I got to um, my first meeting, was uh, it was a Tuesday night, and I walked in, and uh, there were people laughing, and I immediately was confused. I didn't think I was in the right place because who was going to laugh at an AA meeting? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> who the hell's going to laugh? Oh, Made no I love sense that. Me. I'm like obviously in the wrong place because I expected to see a bunch of pitiful ass people who just hated life as much as I did at that moment. Mm -hmm. Um, and there was this woman, this blonde headed woman standing in there laughing and, uh, little did I know she was going to be my sponsor for the next few years and, uh, uh, maid of honor at my wedding and everything. And, um, but, uh, she, you could tell, you could tell, you know, just by the look on my face that I was, in, I was a newcomer, you know, and, uh, she was just kind of very gentle with me and, uh. She, I remember she said, you want to go outside? And I was like, that's great. Cause I was just like a deer in headlights. I was like, Oh, you know, this is where it is. And she goes, do you have a big book? And I had bought one at my first meeting 10 years ago. I had given it to my stepbrother who was also one of us. And I was like, I gave it to my stepbrother when he was in prison. And she goes, it's okay. It's okay. We can get you a new one. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> and uh, so we start to go outside and she goes, she just asked, she goes, do you smoke? And I said, well, I'm trying to quit. She was like, one thing at a time, sweetie. One thing at a time. Come on outside. And that was it. And that was it. And it was like, I was still very scared. But these people, like, were coming up and, like, all kinds of looking people, you know, people who look like they just came from playing tennis or came from uh, from work or looked like me with just regular old just insane kind of thing. And I think we were talking about spirituality or something. I think we were on step two. Step two or step 11. One of those. <laughs> <laughs> one so one of, of those. One of those is where you talk about God a lot. So Arabic or Roman. Yeah, one of those. One of those. One of those. Either way. I'm not sure. But but for some, something that was said touched me. I can't remember what it was. But I picked up my start ship. And I'm very lucky. I've never had to pick up a start over ship. I picked up that start ship. And that's all that I've had to pick up since then. And yeah. Just. That's been the case with me, but I think I, I did certainly did lots of slips before I came to AA. Uh, that's, that's what, it's, whatever it takes, you know, uh, it's like you got to drink every day. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There are many times where, how many times I woke up in the morning and was just like, I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. I'm not going to drink again. You know, I'm going to, did, I mean, and so many, I, I joined a gym where I was kickboxing and ordered, and I figured, and this was a, a great reason I thought it get in shape, 
But if I wasn't home to drink, then I wasn't going to drink. So if I was mm -hmm. out kickboxing, I wouldn't drink. And I figured if, if I tried to get myself into shape, then I wouldn't want to drink. And it didn't last. <laughs> <laughs> Funny that. Fun, funny that. You didn't drink, didn't but last. you didn't give up the kickboxing. I mean, yeah. I, I just, the things that I tried to do, you know, to, to not drink, but just never in a million years thought that the problems of my life were anywhere near alcohol. And what about that? Because you started out to that, uh, your friend who had died. Mm -hmm. How did you deal with that in the early days? Of oh, I was sobriety or was Oh, I was so pissed. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I was so mad um, because I, I was really lucky that when I got sober, apparently, like a group of 10 other women decided, had their moment of clarity that week. And we all kind of came in at the same time, you know, very, like within a month of each other. So we were just kind of all at the same level of crazy. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we, you know, whenever we're, I was single at the time, um, didn't really have any responsibility except to my cat. And so it was nothing at that point for us to go to the candlelight meeting on Saturday night after drinking 20 ounces of Red Bull, <laughs> you know, and, and that was, kind of, and it was nothing of now, if I were to even think about doing that now, it just, I'm like, what is wrong with you? But I, I was so angry when I got here. I was so full of rage when I got here and I, I don't remember it that well. I'll have people tell me that they remember how angry I was. I thought that it was so unfair that I was being asked to grieve the death of this man and get sober at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, he was, we had been engaged at one point and I had known him since I was eight years old. Oh, wow. And um, he was, at, he supposedly was on his way to my house when he died. And it was a very sick situation as situations between two alcoholics usually is a really messed up situation. I could sit here and try to tell you the details for two hours. Um, so I, I just, I, I found it really messed up and I wanted someone to tell me how I was supposed to deal with this when the only mechanism I had of dealing with anything had been taken away. Right. I mean, I truly felt like the choice was gone for me. I had no, it, it was almost as if everyone had taken alcohol from me. Like there was a force field, like I couldn't drink, mm -hmm. but no one could tell me what to do. Right. <laughs> no one could tell me how to not feel so much pain over it and to work my way through it. When you get sober, you'll feel better. You'll feel everything. Feel everything. You yes. feel everything. Oh, and, and you know, my running buddy at the time, she would just, just, I remember just being in the car with her and just sobbing and screaming and crying and just having these memories of him and and her just kind of hanging on to me like it's going to be okay it's going to be okay and it's it's been it will be 6 years this January since he died and so many of those women were just like you just got to hang on you know it's going to change like it's going to change it has it has mm -hmm. changed. You know, now I can think about him and not have a nervous breakdown. I can kind of smile. Mm -hmm. um, so how did I deal with that? Very harshly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Very harshly. But we did. We did. It was more than just me. A lot of people helped me. Right. A lot of people helped me. Did you um, ask for help during the, that time, too? Did you call yeah. people? and and? Yeah, I hated it. Yeah? I hate calling people. Really? Nobody has ever said that. I know, right? <laughs> I'm the first one to come to AA and hate calling people. 
I'm also the first woman in AA who didn't like other women. <laughs> my my sponsor at the time, I told her that. She goes, wow, I've never heard that before from another woman <laughs> who came into AA. Because I was like, you know, I just don't really like other women. She's like, no women like other women when they get here. I'm like, no, but I really don't like other women. I don't want to call these people. And the girls that were all, you know, had, had all gotten sober together some of them were, were a lot younger than me so I'm like I have nothing in common with these women you know they're like 20 and I'm almost 30 and blah, 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 you know being a, all judgmental and uh, but the great thing is is that there were some women who had a good chunk of sobriety and I would call them and I would just call them and, and I had three phone calls I had to make a day at least I would look at my phone your sponsor gave my you sponsors that? you know you go to a meeting every day you call me every day pray every day you call three women a day did voicemails count? No. No. You have to hear from somebody. Um, God, I wish. That's good advice, though. That is good advice. If only text messaging had counted. Oh, yeah. my God. No, I would call these women after, you know, making sure. you think sure text me messaging counts now? Yes and no. I do it, and then I scold myself for doing it. Um, I think that... It's a lot easier, and I say this because I've done it. It's a lot easier for me to text my sponsor, and there's no tone on exactly. my on my words. I can text her and say something over the phone, and she's going to hear it two different ways. Mm -hmm. And like when I'm having you know struggles, and you know right now I've got a couple of struggles, and if I text her and say it versus picking up the phone, she's going to hear it in my voice. There you go. She's going to hear it's it. Very my voice. true. My experience on this now, though, is is you know. My sponsor now that I've had for about a year, mm -hmm. um, we text quite mm -hmm. a bit, but I also call him. Yeah. And it's one of those things that um, no sponsor that I had prior was one who said, call me every day. Mm -hmm. And my sponsor today, when we first got started, said, call okay. me every day. And I set up reminders on my phone to remind mm -hmm. me to call him every day because I would forget. Um, and the thing now is that... Um, a text message is better than no content, contact at all. And he and I can check in and have a, a brief little chat mm -hmm. over text that's time shifted, which kind of works for people who can't get their time synced at the same time. Mm -hmm. But um, but we still have our phone calls and we still have our weekly meetings. Yeah, yeah I think it's in a did. I think it works great in addition to, act, yeah. to yes. actually. Talk. Well, it's keeping that line of communication open with your sponsor. And I mean, I definitely know that I need to call mine more. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, I think that like, if I'm texting her, like while I'm at work, just if I'm sitting there and can't talk and I'm just, you know, even if it's blatantly me being on, she's texting me like, I'm having a shitty day and the asshole sitting next to me is pissing me off and, and I'll call you later. Well, there you go. She knows right there that I need, yeah. 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 you know, and, and it's yeah. better than Miranda skipping the day and getting to Wednesday and just being like, it was fine yesterday. Everything was great. You know, and, and <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to talk to her. So it's definitely keeping the lines of communication open, you know, talking mm -hmm. to her and, and, and I've had sponsees who really would only text me who would never call me. And I'm like, I don't mind you you know, shooting me a text, but you know, call me, let, let me hear your voice because I'm going to know just by hearing your voice, how are you doing? You know, that's are the, you all here? Are you not all here? Right. Um, because one of the functions of the sponsor, I think more than anything, what the function of my sponsor is, is for me to be able to see myself in a way that is dispassionate, not wrapped up in my 
My sponsor won't co-sign my bullshit. <laughs> I was trying to think of another way to yeah, put it. Yeah, I think a better way to put it. Or wrapped up in yourself, which is yeah. Yeah, same thing. Yeah. 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 yeah, it is same the same thing. thing. Yeah. And oh. I, there's all these justifications and different things for the way I feel that run through my mind. And as soon as I start talking to my sponsor, it's like, oh, there it is. Oh, I see. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and I, I, I need a, you know, I've been sober a long time. I need to have that. Well, yeah. On a regular I mean, basis. Well, and it's one of those things that in that conversation, my sponsor may not say anything that's what I needed to hear at that moment. Yeah. What I needed to hear was me saying yeah. what yeah. was going on, Absolutely. and then the answer is there. And it shines a light back on Exactly. Yeah. You know, one of the other things about calling sponsors and people in general in the program that I heard early on, and there's so much truth to it, is... Get used to calling them when you're not on fire mm -hmm. so that when you are on fire, it's yeah. second nature. Yeah. You just pick up the phone and call and ask for help. Yeah. Yep. I love what you said about, you know, just hearing yourself say it because I, I have a sponsor who can just say it so nicely and so delicately and just, you know, just kind of lay it there in front of me and I'm like, you're right. Or I can call her and just... As I'm saying it, just here, you're saying, full of shit, Miranda. <laughs> you know, I get done, and I'm like, okay, well, now I'm done, and I see, blah, 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 blah. you know, so, it, but it's really, it really is doing that, getting that habit of calling them, because there are so many days where I'll get to the end of the day, and I have, I have a two-year-old, and I have a husband, and the day can just be so packed full of shit, <laughs> you know, like, where when I get to the end of the day, unfortunately, as much as I love my sponsor or in the people in this program, I don't want to hear a voice anymore. I just want to hear quiet. And I can say, well, you'll just call her tomorrow. It's been a long day. You know, you just need mm -hmm. some quiet. Well, then the problem goes a week later. I've said that. And then <laughs> yeah. I have to see her in a meeting. And I'm like, damn it, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it really is. It, it's, it's making that habit of calling every day or at least texting. You know, yeah. just keeping that line of communication open always. These are the things that protect me against myself, these rules mm -hmm. like that. And one of the rules that I've really found invaluable is I show up at my home group meeting or not because I want to go to a meeting or not because I need to go to a meeting because I go to my home group meeting mm -hmm. every time it meets because I'm responsible to help AA happen on that night, mm -hmm. night of the week. And what that protects me against myself, that protects me against going, oh, I'm tired, or oh, whatever justification may come up. I've mm -hmm. got so much to do, or this or that. And, you know, unless I'm out of town or there's a death in the family, I'm, I need to go to my home group meeting. And that's really protected me because it's easy to talk yourself out of doing Absolutely. something. Absolutely. It's so funny that, you know, I will, <clears throat> and have recently, we've had a couple of, deaths in my family pretty close together and I've been there and not there at the home group lately and recently recently mm -hmm. um and it's crazy to me how my mind can say um exactly I'm so tired I just want to lay on the couch and you know I've always been told when you don't want to go to a meeting is when you go to a meeting yeah. um because then all of a sudden you don't want to go to a meeting a lot you start to count the days and you realize you haven't been in a month but I've had that thought of, oh, I just, I'm so tired, the day is long, I just don't want to go to a meeting. But I still get up and go. 
And I swear to God, every single time by the end of that meeting, I think, I'm so glad I came to this meeting because something will have happened invariably. Someone yeah. will have said something. I will have seen somebody and it will just be like, oh, thank God I got up and came to this meeting, no matter yeah. how tired I am. Yeah, it's kind of like going to the gym. No one ever regrets <laughs> having gone. <laughs> right? Oh, Lord. But getting there is, I, I love taking right. yoga and, and the girl who I love um, is an instructor. Her thing is, you know, the hardest part is getting to the mat. Yeah. And it's true. It's the hardest. So maybe sometimes the hardest part is getting to the meeting, but mm -hmm. it, it's, it's always good. I've never walked out of a meeting and I've been to some crazy damn meetings. Okay. <laughs> but I've never walked out of a meeting going, Oh, why did I come here? You know, I didn't get anything out of that. If anything, it was that dude's crazy. I need to keep coming to meetings, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, because he might not be coming to meetings or he might need help or something like that. So, yeah. I have felt that way, particularly early on. I've, I've been to meetings where the, it was so crazy and I felt worse after the meeting than I did before the oh, meeting, no. but I was new in recovery yeah. and I didn't, I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't know how to, uh, I couldn't differentiate between when someone is talking about the program of Alcoholics Anonymous uh. and when somebody <laughs> is talking about their own solution working their yeah. program, you know? Yeah. And so there can and get all wrapped up in somebody else's emotions and that kind of thing. So mm -hmm. yeah. I've learned to be able to do as you say, let's go, oh that that person's on their own journey tonight. <laughs> you know, I feel like the first nine months of if I usually had someone, either my sponsor or sponsee sisters or someone near me, um uh with a enough sobriety that if that happened, because there were a few meetings where some people just went off the rails into some other program. I don't even know if it's real or not. Mm -hmm. And I would just kind of get the whole, this is what's really going on right now. Instead of trying to figure it out myself, because there's a place in Greensboro I used to go all the time, like regularly. And sometimes some crazy meetings took place in there. And I remember thinking if I had just wandered in off the street. Yeah. And, and it is sad. It is sad, but it, I still would get something from that. Yeah. I don't know what, you know, but the it thing, still happens. I've experienced a, a handful of times over the years of going to a meeting that I felt like I needed a meeting having gone to. Yeah. It. Um, but one of the things that, uh, that, that has proven to be really almost a treat um, is when I have been in a meeting that's going off the rails mm -hmm. and there's a handful of old timers that I know that, you know, one, each time one of them has been in that meeting mm -hmm. and they so gracefully Wee. put it right back on track. Yeah. If you'll wait. And it was amazing. It. Yeah. yeah. Good old crusty old timers. Yeah. <laughs> Good old crusty old timers. <laughs> Woohoo! Ho! Oh, oh. Ha! That's the boiled owl. It's time for our old timers question. <laughs> well, it is time for our old timers question from a listener. Who you calling an old timer? <laughs> <laughs> it's still one day at a time, but that's what happens if you stay sober long enough. Now listen up, Don. <laughs> well, you talking to me? <laughs> this is from Amanda H. in Middleton, Iowa. Uh, Amanda says, I've been sober for seven months, and it's 
time to go to a party. What do I do if I'm at it? And they start passing around marijuana. <clears throat> well, Good question. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Have you experienced that? I went uh, recently to uh, with a group of artists to the zoo. We're going to spend the day drawing. It's really a fun day, a fun trip. And on the drive over there, 9 o'clock in the morning, it's about a half-hour drive, once somebody pulled out a joint <laughs> and they started smoking it, they passed it to, to me, and I was like, no thanks. And I cracked the window <laughs> and uh, made sure there was some real air in the car. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, was, it was okay. I've been sober a long time. If I'd yeah. been sober six months... I would have not wanted to be trapped in that car. Uh, at, at a party, you, you know, I've got mixed uh, mixed feelings. The, the party, the AA line is, you need to get away. You need to get out of there. Yeah. And that's why when you go to a party, you're, then you need to... I, early in sobriety, I did this quite a few times. I bookended the party, which is I called my sponsor before. He knew I was going to call him after. Mm -hmm. I made sure I had on my own transportation so I could leave if I, if the party turned in a way, or really not the party. If I got the least bit squirrely, then it was time for me to leave. Mm -hmm. Perfectly okay to leave any situation. The most important thing is to stay sober because everything goes to hell if I don't. Mm -hmm. um, so I went to a keg party uh, when I was six. I, was, I think I was three months sober. And I talked to my sponsor. I was going, I don't think I can go to this party. And he was going, I think you can go. Uh, he knew what the what the party was. It was at somebody's house, mm -hmm. uh, neighborhood with family. I had a small child. There was lots of kids going to be there. And they were going to have a keg. So he said, I think you can go. Call me before. Call me after. And make sure you have your own transportation. So I went. And lo and behold, there were lots of people there who didn't drink any of the keg, which was hard to believe. But I sat around and talking with these people who didn't drink at the keg. Uh -huh. And I would say this was a real revelation to me. Probably there was about 10% of the people there who were, did what I do which was what I would do if there was a keg was stand by it and drink as much as possible to keep the pressure off so the thing wouldn't blow. <laughs> service. Yeah. I was doing service work. I was obsessed and had to be right there and drink as much as I possibly could because I, was, I got a free beer. Uh -huh. So that wasn't the case with marijuana, but this is why I say I got mixed uh, feelings about it because as far as my sponsor was concerned I could be there it was a good experience for me to see that there there are people at a party excuse me who um, don't drink or might just drink a little bit and I I can't drink anything I can't smoke anything um, if I smoke I'll drink if I smoke marijuana I'll drink so I realized early on it just for me AA means I can't do any drugs. Mm -hmm. um, 
of of any kind because it all it all leads to alcohol for me and it all ends with alcohol in my instance um, when I got sober the um, I've been sober like two days and I went into my studio and where I paint I'm an artist so I went to the studio and there in my paint box was a bag of pot mm -hmm. and I was going oh I guess I can't smoke this anymore I hadn't really thought about it mm -hmm. but for me it ended with alcohol so I, I called up a friend and uh, said you because I, like you said early, Miranda, you don't want to throw away perfectly good stuff. Just because you can't doesn't mean someone else can't. Exactly. So I called up a friend and said, "You want to?" He said, "Why do you think I want it?" Just being polite. Well, okay, but you know about that throwing away business. I mean, it's like think about it. I've got like a gallon of apple juice that I'm not going to drink apple juice anymore. Would I'm gonna throw. Down, I'm just yeah. gonna pour that down the drain. That down That's the drain. true. It doesn't it's have the same pressure. I know. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. It so, is expensive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Apple juice isn't that expensive. We're talking like thirty, forty, fifty dollars. Yeah, really. <laughs> Depending on. So, I would say if you're at a party and somebody's and they start passing around the pot, they go into the other room where there are other people, and that's not what's going on. Or leave. And the main thing, and then do not need to be at a party if you haven't cleared it with your sponsor and done all of that, because it's just the kind mm -hmm. of thing that is, is trouble in the first year. I could not be around alcohol mm -hmm. um, at all without trouble. So I had a reason to be there. I was there a small amount of time at that party, and, uh, and I left, and I called my sponsor. Um, I was okay being seeing other people drink, and it was informative for me to see that everyone does not drink the way I do. Everyone's not going to do what I do. I'm an alcoholic, so I have to take care of myself. So if the least bit squirrely, get out of there. That's my answer. Yeah. What about you, Lauren? Oh, gosh. Um, <clears throat> I would say... Well, my first inclination at, at six or seven months uh, sober would have been to say, thank you for a great time, everybody. I'll be leaving now. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was told to always have a way out whenever I got here. Don't, you know, don't ever kind of trap yourself. Like, always have a means to leave. Always have a way to go if you need to um, get out of a situation that you're currently in. So I think for me at that time, um, uh Marijuana wasn't really my forte. It was whenever I was a teenager, which is why I started drinking late in life. Um, <laughs> which is 19 is late in life. Um, I think it would have just been uncomfortable for me. Um, and I would have said, you know, it's time to go. I I specifically thought of something when you were talking, Don, <clears throat> about the keg party, which then turned into a party that had a keg, which is hilarious to me. I was like, Don went to a keg party. It's like, oh wait, it was a party with a keg. There's a difference. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right. There right. is a difference. I guess that's right. <laughs> but, but no, it, it, it's just funny how alcoholics, you know, think and talk, but I, <laughs> <laughs> and process things differently. That's but right. I, I was going to an, an AA cookout, and um, it was actually a, around here. And um, before then, I was going to stop by my friend's house. Um, 
for a regular old weekend cookout. It was two blocks away from each other. My sponsor was at the party I was going to. And I got there and the group of us, about eight of us, you know, they were all there. And they were kind enough to get me like some Coca-Cola. And I wasn't staying 15 minutes. But, you know, they already all had their beers in their hand and everything. And I got there and I was drinking my Coke. And I'm like, well, this isn't awkward <laughs> at all. I was just kind of like with my Coca-Cola. Uh -huh. Now, keep in mind, I drank more than any of them. So for me right. to be standing there with a Coca-Cola and they're all standing around me just staring. <laughs> kind of felt that way. So <laughs> I'm sure they weren't, you know, I'm sure no, I was they not were, the center of attention. Yeah, of course they were. <laughs> Let's watch Miranda drink. You know, the more I I, I learned about the, the alcoholic mentality the more my life just makes sense so much. But <laughs> since there was a spotlight on me at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, <laughs> I, I had my, my Coca-Cola and I looked around and realized that this just wasn't a, a fun scene for me to be in. And I'm like, I'm going to go over to this now and um, I'll see you guys later. And I left. You know, and I went to see my, and I told her she knew I was going to be there. She knew I was going to this thing beforehand. Mm -hmm. She knew that there was going to be drinking and mm -hmm. she knew I was coming over. Um, so yeah, my, my thing is if you're uncomfortable, leave, you know, there's, you don't, you don't have to be rude to people. You can still be gracious, mm -hmm. but you don't owe anyone staying there when you're uncomfortable. If you're uncomfortable, leave. Say thank you very much for the party and leave. Do not put yourself through that just because you don't want to offend somebody. Your sobriety is worth more than someone maybe getting their feelings hurt if you don't want to stick around. That's my two cents. Absolutely. You know, I um, I didn't know what this was called until someone gave me this uh, a few years ago, but I'm really good at the Irish exit. Um, and I will the leave. Irish the Irish exit. The Irish exit. I'm looking forward to this. Party. Very quietly. You ghost out of there. I do. I ghost. <laughs> I yes. It. Okay. Okay. And, okay. And, you know, and then I'll follow up with the hosts unless I can catch yeah. their eye on the way out and thank them. But yeah. but if, 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 if I'm in a situation for any reason squirrely at all, mm -hmm. um, which can happen not just around the alcohol, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, or, the, or the pot being passed around. Uh, but just social, just yeah. being social, yeah. just, just people. anxiety. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but I will leave, mm -hmm. and I you know I've done what I, I came there to do, and it's not fun now, and so it's time for me to go, and that has served me in a number of ways, and I still check in with my sponsor before I go to uh, to events that are going to be ha that, that I know. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to check in with my sponsor before I go out to eat with a group of people at restaurants that serves liquor by the drink or wine or whatever. All the time. But if I'm going to a party mm -hmm. uh, or to a place that, is, you know, I know that there's going to be drugs in particular, um, it's one of those things that I absolutely check in with my sponsor before I go and I give him my plan of action. And, you know, this is where I am right now and this is what I'm planning on doing and I'm going to leave after that type of thing. Um, but it's, it's really important I think, particularly in regard to this question about, um, you know, marijuana starts getting passed around the party. Mm -hmm. Well, long before getting to that point of the marijuana being passed around the party is knowing where, where am I going? Yeah. Who is going to be there? Mm -hmm. Because if I'm at seven months sober mm -hmm. and I'm going to a, an office party, and let's just say it's a very liberal office party. And, and, right. and there's, in Colorado. Yeah. yeah. And, and a joint starts being passed around, 
you know, that's something that a little unexpected, but it's one of those things I can remove myself from. And, and I'm acquaintances with a lot of folks there, not friends. But if this party is a dozen of my running buddies, and I know they smoke pot, and I know they get drunk, it's probably not a good idea for me to even go in the first place. Especially at six or seven months sober. You know what's going to happen. Oh, absolutely. Exactly. And it's going to be not just that I know what's going to happen, but it's going to be happening with people that I know really well. Mm -hmm. And it's so easy to fall back into that comfort without even thinking about it. I talked about this on another podcast about I, at, gosh, five, five years sober, I think I was, um, went to uh, a friend's home uh, with a, a noble duty of, uh, and, and I sat there and I stayed there overnight and I'm sitting out there on his deck and there's a glass of wine. And this was a friend that I used to party with in nightclubs and, and all kinds of stuff. And I realized in that moment just how easily without thinking mm-hmm. I could pick up that glass of wine and, mm-hmm. and drink from it. Same type of thing. If I'm going to go hang out with a bunch of friends mm-hmm. who smoke pot, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure they're going to be smoking pot at this thing, mm-hmm. it's probably not a good idea for me to go simply because I might just do it when they're passing the joint. It's just habit. And that's a thing for me to consider too. Yeah. Putting, put, putting things between me and their drink, putting things between me and their drug, mm-hmm. the things that I put between me and their drug are going to meetings, calling my sponsor, prayer. service work, yeah. prayer, all those things I have to walk through before I drink. So we can be around it. And the longer you're sober, the easier it is to be around it. But no matter, it's, it's dangerous. Uh, it's always there for me, and I have to have all these things that I've put between me and a drink to protect myself. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it, it feels weird to say this because of just who I purport myself to be, at least. Um, and that is when I go to these, these the most sordid places on earth. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that's where you go. <laughs> well, that's a line out of the book. You know, yeah, we can go, go to the most sordid, sordid places, places on like... earth, provided our reason to be there is legitimate basically <laughs> uh, i can't thump that book that, that perfectly but you got the sorted but i really do pray yeah. on the way there and i ask god to be part of this mm-hmm. yeah. and it works out mm-hmm. i have not it's been interesting that in some of these most sorted places on earth um when I've done that, which is each time, that I've actually run into people who are in recovery. It Isn't happens. It's it funny. Yeah. I it's, mean, it's great. great. It's, yes. it's gr- you know what? It's great because, I, and I'll say this, is especially today with what's going on out there today, and I mean, we're losing people left and right to, you know, addiction, is it always makes me happy when I see someone who I used to drink with who's in recovery versus what could be why they're not around the bar scene anymore it it's mm-hmm. it's great yeah. it's it's great for a variety of reasons but i right quick i just realized i wanted to say this mm-hmm. last night me and my husband and my daughter went to a halloween party mm-hmm. now this halloween party has been going on since i was 21 years old 20 years old friends of ours in in the backyard they put on this huge you know just scary halloween party in the backyard um 
I used to throw down at this party, you know, sometimes, you know, waking up in the yard the next morning, kind of throw down at this party. Yeah. Um, but the funny thing is, is how we have all matured over the years. Now, these are friends who have stuck by me through the last five years or so. And um, we took our children last year. It's like half of us now are bringing our kids in there in costumes and wearing costumes where we used to come in with, you know, two cases of Miller Lite. Now we're coming in with diaper bags. And uh, they're like, it, it, it's great. They're like, hey, you know, in the fridge, out in the shed, you know, the drinks and everything. And I open it up and it's like, you know, water, Coca-Cola juice, this. And there's like two six packs. In the entire fridge, those two six-packs were just, like, over there hiding in their little corner. And I'm just like, okay, here's the Coca-Cola. Didn't even give two thoughts to it. Didn't even give two thoughts to it. And what's crazy is that this is a a party where, as they say on the invitation, later on in the evening, the ghoulies are going to come out, which is their way of saying we're going to really start drinking and the kids might need to, you know, Mm -hmm. head on home. And Uh. Miranda, by the way... (laughs) leave (laughs) they don't have to tell me that but it's so I I was leaving last night I was telling my husband this because he wasn't you know I didn't know him when I drank thank god we might have killed each other because he's also in recovery met him in recovery and I was like it's so that was so great to see how this has has grown and changed over the years of this group of people that have partied together and 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 dressed up for Halloween and now we do this and it's safe for me to come to this and go home and just have a great time and, and, and no alcohol was involved and no alcohol. I, I didn't care. I was mostly trying to keep my child away from the fire pit, but I mean, it was so great to know that that is possible. That is possible. There are safe places that are possible that are a lot of fun to go to. So Absolutely. You know, something else that I think is really important to note, especially since, you know, lots of people are, are listening to this type of thing that we're put, that's being put out here, including ours. Um, we don't have a problem with other people drinking. Oh, yeah, man. Nah. No. You know, the problem is my drinking. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm not saying your drinking, but my our drinking. And, and, but, that, but that's the thing. So, yeah. so, Although you know, I have a problem with your drinking. I do have a problem well, with your drinking, too. <laughs> I get it. Fine. But, uh, but you know, I think it's, it's, it's really important to note that, you know, AA, and, and we're not speaking for AA here, but AA mm-hmm. um, does not have a problem with alcohol. No, not at all. It's no. not against alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it's one of those things that, um, I know that from my experience, I don't, if I'm in fit spiritual condition, if I'm in a good place, going to a party where there's alcohol being served and people are drinking is not a problem. I can have a great time. What I've also learned is that when people get sloppy, I don't have a great time and I don't want to be around drunk people. Isn't that something? And that was something that was new to get. Yeah. Drunk people annoy the piss out of me. I know. <laughs> oh, my God. And, I mean, I don't go out on New Year's. I do not go out on New Amateurs. Year's. Oh, my God. I will smack some. I don't even like going out on Halloween now. You know, it's like you see people that look like they just walked off the Playboy calendar, teetering on their heels, and they're falling over, and they're puking everywhere. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, who taught you how to drink? I do not like being around drunk people. I do not like being... I didn't like being around drunk people when I was a drunk person. <laughs> I had to outpace them. So I feel you. I feel you there. Oh, my God. It's terrible. I like hanging out at the coffee shop. This well, has yeah. Been, this has been great. Miranda, thanks for joining thanks us. Thanks for having Absolutely. me. This has been really fun. Thank you. Cool. Woo-hoo! Oh, oh. 
Thanks for joining us. The, uh, the Boiled Owl podcast is posted on the 1st and 15th of every month. Visit our website at boiledowlaa.org. Leave feedback or ask a question on the blog or email us giveahoot at boiledowlaa.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous in your city or visit aa.org. Note, Boiled Owl AA is produced by members of AA and only expresses our experience and opinions. It is not endorsed by AA World Services.